You're listening to The Product Edge, and I'm Jade Bennett, Australia's leading product management recruitment expert, founder of Middleton Executive, and a professional development and mindset coach. In this podcast, I take you on a journey into the minds of exceptional product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, and hustlers. In each episode, I introduce you to experts in their field, and my mission is to help every product professional level up and reach their full potential by providing you with the skills, insights, and tools that you need to excel in your career and gain your product edge. Joining me today is Amanda Ralph, a seasoned product strategist who is passionate about developing products that customers love and which deliver market-leading commercial and customer value. Amanda has worked with some of Australia's leading companies, including Qantas, NAB, KPMG, and Australian Super. She is currently the Principal Product Manager at Papercut Software, the global leader in print management solutions. In 2016, Amanda co-founded Product Women, which now has over 6,000 members. A regular contributor to the international product community, Amanda has been recognized as one of the leading women in product, and this year as one of 25 global women product leaders to follow by Product Board. Welcome to the Product Edge, Amanda. Thanks, Jed. It's lovely to be here today. Amanda, this is the second time we've been fortunate enough to have you on the Product Edge. First time I was on maternity leave, so I am very excited to be exploring how product folk can cultivate curiosity with you today. Likewise, Jade. It's really lovely to um, be working with you, and um, I've also watched from afar as as you've journeyed into motherhood, which is also very exciting. Oh, thank you. So Amanda, before we um, started this, you shared a beautiful Walt Disney quote with me, which I'd like to to share. It is, we keep moving forward, opening new doors and trying new things because we are curious and curiosity keeps leading us down new paths. What a beautiful quote. Why do you think that's so important for product folk? Yeah, I really love the quote too, and I'm a massive Disney fan. I think any of us that have uh, been to Disneyland and experienced the joy of Disney, it really does encompass um, an experience that seems to just trigger that creativity and have those gems of curiosity. It sparks that curiosity in me when I when I experience Disney and Disneyland per se. Um, and I think curiosity is just so important from a product perspective. If you think about the definition of curiosity, curiosity is a strong desire to know or to learn something. And if you think about product management, at its core, it's about identifying customer and business needs and problems. And the job of product managers is to solve for those in a way that then delivers material value, both to the customer and the business. I mean, Marty Kagan talks about this a lot. He says, you know, a a product manager's job is to solve problems in a way that's valuable to the customer, usable to the customer that's buildable in terms of the technology and engineering stack that you're working with, so feasible, and viable from a business perspective, so delivering strong business and commercial value. And if we're not curious about how we can do those things, and to to Walt Disney's quote around trying new things, 
leading us down new paths and opening new doors, we're not going to actually find and discover those breakthrough opportunities and those breakthrough, um, you know, solutions. So when I think about curiosity and product managers, I think about good product managers being really focused and open to learning, curious to really understand, explore those problems through discovery and unpack um, deeply that problem space. Beautiful. I love um, I love your definition there around curiosity and its importance. Do you think um, curiosity is something that is a natural trait or do you think it's something that can be learned and can be fostered within that product space? Um, I probably think it has an element of both, if I'm honest with you. I think there are people who are inherently curious, who are inherently open to learning, open-minded, um, but I think it is something that you can cultivate and foster. Um, and it's certainly something, if I look at my own product career and product journey, you know, I've become better at being what I would call actively curious, um, cognizant of the need from a product perspective for me to be challenging myself to be open-minded, to lean into the biases which we all inherently have so that when I'm going into a product discovery um, that I, I check those things at the door as much as I can. So I think you can I think you can and you need to as a product person to to foster and create that. It's interesting, I was reading an article just this morning um, uh, from GQ about Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple. And he actually was quoted and said one of his key attributes is that he likes to ask questions. And he said, you know, the quote from Tim was, I'm curious and I'm curious about how things work. And I was reflecting on that and thought, that's interesting. Someone who, you know, he's come from an operations background in the first instance at Apple um, and I think transitioned to CEO in 2011 and there was lots of narrative around you know, would he be as creative? Would he be as um, successful as Steve Jobs from a product strategy perspective? And he's, you know, he's demonstrated uh, that success, you know, fundamentally and materially. And and I think that curiosity and that openness to learn, explore has probably been a really critical part of that success. And I think it's something we can all learn from. Absolutely. So if we're saying that it's a little bit of both, you're naturally curious and, and you definitely can cultivate it. How can we foster a culture of curiosity and um, and, and really allow that exploring mindset and, and ways of working to to be at the forefront? Yeah, I think this is there's there's two elements to this and that good product leaders um take the lead on this and, and actively practice this. And the first thing I think is in terms of a culture of curiosity is really um, embedding and driving a culture within the team that lets them know that they don't have to have all of the answers up front. So in the course of being curious and, and exploring and unpacking that problem space, by definition, you're going in without all the answers. You're going in with an open mind. You can, 
you, you can take through some hypotheses and some assumptions, um, but the product leader should be guiding and coaching the team around that. And by team, I'm I'm thinking, you know, the product trio, the design engineering and 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 product person in the context of discovery and other other stakeholders from the business you might have in that process. But being really clear and letting them know that there isn't an expectation that you have all the answers. In fact, the expectation is to the to the contrary to that. The expectation is that you've got some working hypotheses, you've got some assumptions that you're going to test and validate, but you're going into discovery to unpack those, to identify the opportunities, and and that is okay. I see a lot of teams where they have a tendency to rush straight to the solution and not really spend enough time immersing themselves in the problem space. And part of that, I think, sometimes is an expectation from leadership in the business that they've got the answer and that they know immediately what the solution looks like. But you and I know from experience that, um, in actual fact, if you go straight to solution, you're likely to miss the real gems of opportunity, the things that are going to actually differentiate your proposition and give you a key competitive advantage in market or discover and unpack a totally new opportunity in a new vertical, in a new customer market segment. Um, If you're going in with a closed mind and too much of a notional view of what that solution is, you can can really miss those opportunities. Absolutely. So when you're talking there about the discovery phase, um, I guess as product management is evolving and we're seeing um, new new roles within product and you know different parts of the product lifecycle where product folk can play their part, I'm thinking about this discovery piece that you're talking about and the curiosity. Is it lending itself more to new product development um, as opposed to potentially product folk that might be on a you know an existing product or a, a legacy product or do you think the the curiosity is just import as important on on whether it's new product development or sort of maintaining a existing product i think it's important across the full end-to-end product life cycle if you take a product that's maybe in a more mature phase of its life cycle you're really looking from a product strategy perspective of how do you optimize the performance of that product you know, what's what's left in the lemon to squeeze, if you like, in terms of value, uh, value from a business perspective and value for the customer. So in that, you know, in solving for that, you absolutely need to be curious and be challenging your thinking, uh, challenging yourself around where does that optimization opportunity sit and and is that extension of a, of, of a market that you're already in, is it, um, you know, rationalising or creating greater efficiencies in the operationalization of your product to give you better margin, for example, um, to give a better customer experience? But you still fundamentally um, need to be applying that curious mindset and those hypotheses and assumptions and validating those. I think otherwise, again, from a product performance perspective, you can miss a key opportunity to to get optimal revenue and optimal 
um, traction in market. So for me, I think it is across the end-to-end life cycle of your products, um, across the portfolio and, and irrespective of where they sit on that spectrum. Okay. I think um, I think from a product leader's perspective, um, part of the challenge is creating the the practice, if you like, of that uh, curiosity and that exploration across that life cycle uh, and creating, stretching the muscle, creating the capacity for teams to actually do that. So from a business perspective, um, your discovery cycle, if you like, does need to be scalable and it does need to be efficient. Um, so, so the product leader needs to think a bit about how that's going to work. How do you operationalize that? In the context of um, my experience in doing that, time boxing is is helpful. So you might set a cadence of discovery, but it's time boxed so that it doesn't just become, you know, this never ending story. There's an objective that you're trying to explore and and achieve, and you do that in a in a context of a time boxed. Um, process and approach. And it's having some practical guide rails and tools that the team can then learn, become competent in and and manage. So um, there's lots of different tools there, but I love empathy mapping, for example. Fantastic. I, I love contextual inquiry. Um, I love using assumption matrix. So, you know, before you go in and do those, undertake those exercises, you know, thinking about what are the assumptions you're going to disprove or validate, how do you then map those back against the opportunity. Um, Teresa Torres has some great uh, insight and great frameworks for doing that, um, you know, and also I think Anthony Mur- Murphy was recently talking about assumption ma- mapping as well. So there's there's plenty out there in market, and I think from a product person's perspective, it's finding the tools that suit you, suit, suit the way that you think, suit the way that you work, um, not necessarily having a prescriptive you must use X, Y, and Z, but giving a menu of, of things that the team can use and apply and learn from. Absolutely. And and you're talking there a lot about the sort of the empathy mapping and some of these tools that that help with this. How product is done in, from company to company is is vastly different. Some of the companies that we work with, their product managers are heavily revol- um, involved in the research side. Other businesses, other teams do it. From your experience, Amanda, do you feel that this discovery piece and, and the research piece and really that um, customer contact piece, the discovery phase, is, is that the responsibility of product management? Yeah, I really feel that it, you know, well, it's a bit of a red flag for me if I go into an organisation and the, the the voice of customer sits in a single place within the within the company. And you know, product managers, we need to get close to the cu- the customer. We need to get close to the market, and not just the product managers. That's the value of having the engineers in the room with you because if they're on point and they're accountable for actually building a feasible and scalable solution to meet that customer need, if they're not actually understanding and exploring that problem space with you, um, it makes that very difficult to do in a way that 
you know, is is going to be winning in, in market context. Um, I was just doing a, a customer uh, insight, customer research session last night, actually, and it was really interesting. The customer that we were talking to was based in Kenya, and uh, we were taking him through a, a high fidelity prototype of a, of a product that we're about to release, a product feature we're about to release. And it was really interesting. And um, we're going through that. And we, we've done, you know, I don't know, this was test number 30, I think, um, on this particular feature. So we've, we've done plenty of these iteratively. But there was a really interesting moment when he kept coming back to uh, audiovisual contextual help in the product from his perspective. And so I, I then started to explore that a bit more with him and unpack why was that something that he kept coming back to as a key value driver for him. And it turns out that unsurprisingly, I guess, if I think about it now in Kenya, uh, Swahili and English are the two national languages, but you get a lot of people for whom English is the secondary language, Swahili being the primary language. And so for them in particular, audio-visual help is something that they really value because it just gives an additional um, dimension as opposed to a written word um, that somebody has to has to get through. Having that audio-visual reference point makes it easier for them to consume and understand. The second thing is that Kenya, like many countries in the developing context, has a very disproportionately young labour force. So part of his challenge is that he has a lot of younger people coming through grads that he constantly has to train um, how to use the software. And so, again, for him, that younger audience, having a, an audiovisual uh, dimension in the training that he can use was very helpful for him. So in terms of the value driver tree, if I think about it in that context for him, it was really important. Now, if I hadn't done that that uh, session w- with him and I had, you know, the designer in the room with me as well, but if we hadn't had that conversation, that opportunity to really unpack and explore the motivator and the driver behind those comments that we were getting from him, we might have missed that. But now we understand it and it's something that we can uh, focus on and ensure is, you know, is core in terms of what we what we build out and what we release. Absolutely. And I guess then that um, if I'm thinking about what you're saying, you know, there's many different ways that you can get feedback from your customers and, and interact with them. But again, that sort of in person or, on, you know, on, on Zoom or however you were, you were doing it, to be able to talk to them, interview them and actually probe your, you know, your questions and go sort of under the hood, so to speak, and, and unearth what the drivers were is, is really important. So if we're looking at discovery and, and research, sort of, I guess you can't undervalue the importance of a human to human conversation, right? Yeah. And it's really that opportunity to just say, okay, well, where, where's that comment coming from? Just explain that to me in a little bit more detail. Let me understand. I've done a lot of contextual inquiry too, where you just go and watch people and observe and see how they use things. And it's so fascinating because so many times the way we think people are going to use our products 
is fundamentally different to the way that actually translates in in real real experience and you start to uncover opportunities to make that experience much better for you, for your end user to drive greater value and you start to see things where you think oh wow we just assumed that everybody would understand what that thing is or how to use that but actually looking and watching and seeing how people are using it they haven't understood it and they've kind of iterated on that and they're using it in a in a way that's totally different to the way we thought they would use it and and therein lies a commercial opportunity as well so you know I, and I, for me you know I am someone who's naturally curious and I, that's what I love I love that discovery because you have those light bulb moments and you say wow there's something we can do differently there that will differentiate us but also deliver a much better experience for our customers and that's kind of cool definitely so if i'm a leader and i'm sitting here thinking okay you know maybe there's an opportunity to improve our our culture of curiosity do you have one or two tips that you know a leader could do to help ensure that they're, you know, setting their teams up for success or, you know, what tools and, and, and guide rails, as you mentioned, could they, could they look at to go, you know what, let's, let's explore a bit more. Yeah. I think in the first instance, if it's something that's not inherently embedded in terms of the way that you, you know, you, you practice discovery and that you run your business, um, be realistic and maybe, you know, maybe get a team of people that you think are going to be really receptive to trying something a little bit different, trying a new way of things and do some experimentation. Uh, frame it up around a specific constrained problem, the, the scope of which is not too broad. So it might even be a particular process. It might be an aspect of your product um, that you want to then experiment around and and frame up that experiment. How would we understand this problem better? What would that look like? Would we talk to customers? Would we go out into customer environments? Um, and you can identify, you know, I like to call them friendlies. <laughs> Who are the friendlies in your customer base that you can go to and have a really transparent conversation and say, you know what, we're actually learning at this stuff. This, this is new for us, but we want to deliver you a better experience and a better product. And we're really would hopeful that you'll help us in this. My experience has been that customers love it. They're really receptive. Uh, and I've done it in a B2B context as well as in a, a B2C direct-to-consumer context. When I did it in the B2B context previously, there was so much angst in, in the business on our side. Oh, we're going to go to these customers. These are big. I mean, they were big brand, significant customers who delivered significant revenue to us as a business. Oh, we're going to go to them. You know, how are they going to take this because we're going to be going to them and being transparent about the fact that this is new and we're learning and there was so much angst. Anyway, we got through the angst and we identified, I think it was three of our top corporate uh, B2B customers that we felt would be receptive to this approach and we approached them. They loved it. They absolutely loved it. And the response we got back was on a couple of levels. A, 
how great that you're trying new things and that you're actively coming to us. You want to work with us, collaborate with us and listen to what we have to say to essentially deliver us more value and deliver us a better experience. So that was a huge tick. It actually drove greater stickiness and loyalty because they felt like there was a meaningful engagement and relationship. On the back of that, um, when we were working with them, there was also a bit of a sense of, um, yes, we were learning, but we were also teaching them something as well. So we got uh, a number of those B2B clients who were then quite interested in terms of whether that was something they could apply in their own business context and their own product approach. So it worked really well. It gave us incredible insight um, and we, in that context, I, I can't reveal from a commercial perspective what it was specifically, but basically we um, leveraged another sector's operational processes and capability and applied that to our business and delivered a streamlined and much more um, effective process for our, our customers, which which just put us straights ahead in terms of the competition and differentiated us. That meant that in market, our proposition looked and felt so much different and better than our competitors. So I think, you know, product, again, the product leadership needs to be a little bit courageous in that conversation, um, but but take it internally to the business and then take it externally to the friendlies. The other thing I think from a leader's perspective is um, just actively role modelling and demonstrating that approach, including failure. So um, if I think about just recently, in fact, a couple of months ago, I was doing some discovery uh, for my work here at Papercut and we went in with some assumptions and a framework that we applied and it, it failed. We didn't actually get the insight we needed. Uh, it didn't work the way we thought it was going to work. Um, and, and we did, I think, maybe six or seven uh, rounds of customer exploration using that approach, and it became pretty clear that that wasn't going to get us the insight we needed. So one of the things that um, I did from a from a product leadership perspective was actually share that failing with the business, share what we thought was going to work, why it didn't work, and then what we were going to do on the back of that not working. We went back, we redesigned, we reframed, took that back into testing, and when we'd reframed it, it did give us the insight that we needed and were looking for. But I think it's really important for your teams to understand and to to really live that experience of, A, you don't have to have all the answers. B, sometimes it's not going to work. That's actually okay. Absolutely. And what you're saying there around customer exploration and, and, and the angst that that can create, I completely resonate with, you know, it's about being vulnerable at Middleton Executive. You know, we're always looking at ways that we can add more value to, to our customers. But instead of, you know, going to them, telling them what we think we want, we've actually started going to uh, our friendlies, as as you call it, and and saying, we want to add more value. We want to help you achieve more. 
what are your real problems? What are your real pain points? And how can we help? And the information that we've been getting is invaluable and, and stuff that I wouldn't have considered. Um, but it did cause a bit of angst as well, because there's that, I don't know if it's your own limiting beliefs or, or perception, but you ex- you think your customers expect you to know everything and to give them everything wrapped up in a nice little bow as this is going to solve all your problems, but it is going back to the exploration and going, well, let's understand your problems. Um, so that resonates a, a lot with me. It's actually quite liberating, isn't it? Once you get over that angst and fear, and then you realize that that angst and fear is probably shared by the person that you're having a conversation with and, and talking to. And, and when both of you make that realization that it's actually okay, it's, it's quite liberating. And it does create, as you said, stickier relationships and you connect on a much more human level, vulnerable level. And, um, and then again, yeah, the insights you get and the data is, is richer for it. Yeah, it's really interesting that that connection piece too. I think, um, you know, the co- cogent, uh, consulting company did a, did a survey in 2020 in a report around, um, that connection. One, one of the aspects was that that was that connection and teams that can connect their work to meaningful value for their customers are much more engaged and much more effective. Um, and I think that sort of resonates through that whole discovery piece because you're trying to a connect with your customers but b connect to the value uncover unpack the value and in doing that it does make your work much more meaningful um, and much more satisfying from a professional and personal perspective absolutely and then look, we, we mentioned that some people are naturally more curious than others and as we build teams and we scale companies, um, how can we ensure that a culture of curiosity is is scalable as we bring in so many different people? Yeah, it's a really interesting uh, question and an interesting challenge and something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, to be honest. And I've been thinking about it in the context of um, different personality types too, because I'm naturally ex extroverted, but, you know, I've got some, I've worked with and have some amazing product managers who are more naturally introverted. So, um, you know, there's this perception that discovery is not something that introverts naturally want to gravitate to or or want to do, do. And I don't really hold to that. I think it's, I think you can be introverted and be inherently curious and open-minded um, and I think it's about how does the product leader then create a safe space, if you like, or an opportunity for that personality type or that introversion to, um, you know, undertake that discovery in a way that they're comfortable with. And I think it just just requires a bit of extra thinking in how you can do that and, and there are ways, ways to manage that. Um, but I think, again, part of it's cultural that just – reinforcement of you know open openness learning curiosity are things that we aspects and attributes that we value in this business that's something we we look for and actively want to leverage um i have lots of interesting conversations with candidates actually that are coming through where i try and actually unpack what what do they do in their life outside of work that might be an indicator that they're people who are a bit curious um, that are always learning, you know, 
are they learning music? Do they participate in different team activities? Do they like to go bushwalking uh, and explore nature? What are the things that kind of give me a little bit of a, a an indicator that this person is someone who, you know, is does have that curiosity, does have that desire to always be experiencing and learning new things in life, which is a little bit of a, a, a beacon and a sense check. Um, and then understanding how that plays out in terms of the work that they do and the things that they've done. Um, so for me, for example, a conversation with a candidate uh, where they're actually prepared to talk to me about where they have been trying to learn something and where they haven't necessarily succeeded in the first interest in- instance. Sorry. When I'm talking with a candidate and they're talking to me about uh, an experience where they haven't succeeded in the first instance um, and there's been a failure, I, I really enjoy and find those conversations um, instructive and interesting because it's it's not about the failure, it's what about it's about what they've learned from the failure and how they've applied those learnings then in what they've done after that experience. Absolutely. I think, you know, as someone who's interviewed thousands of people, um, it is hard to assess curiosity, but it's music to my ears when I hear you say that, you know, you try to understand a little bit on the, on that personal side. What, do, what are they learning outside of work? Are they learning to, to DJ? Are they learning to dance? Are they learning something completely unrelated to work? Because it does show that they're, they're curious about learning new things and new experiences, which is fundamental in, in hiring. And, you know, not every hiring manager is like you, Amanda. Some of them are a bit more old school and um, we certainly have to do a bit of coaching and, uh, and retraining in that it's that that cold, you know, hey, I'm here to learn about you. And it's straight into the work questions and interview questions. And you're not giving someone an opportunity to be themselves and, and to demonstrate their strengths and unearth some of these softer skills, which is really important because curiosity for a product manager, you could argue, would be one of the the crucial skills more so than have you managed a SaaS product before or have you done X, Y, and Z, right? Yeah, definitely. And that, you know, it's that curiosity and also the empathy. And if I think about leveraging that curiosity and applying it in a discovery context from a product management perspective, um, it's also then the ability to make the connection with the people that you're undertaking that discovery with. That's the people in the team that you're working with and the end customers that you're talking to. If you can't make that connection, if you can't um, have that empathy um, to leverage that conversation and leverage that exploration, then you're not really going to get the insight that you need um, to then take that into a you know product strategy design perspective. So it is really critical and it's why I do try and spend some time understanding the whole person and and who is that whole person and what are the skills and and attributes and inclinations that they're going to bring to the team Amanda you have been amazing and shared so much with us how can we stay connected with you going forward 
Uh, well, I have product women, obviously, uh, which uh, we, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus with COVID and a few other things, but we're just about to to ramp it up again and, and reactivate it. So definitely hope to see people coming through the product women events uh, and meetups. I also have uh, that product chick, which is uh, my Twitter account. It's probably the thing I'm most active on and LinkedIn, where uh, I like to engage in product conversations with people. And LinkedIn, I'm really open to people um, reaching out through LinkedIn and connecting. Um, There's so much I can learn from others in the product community. So I really enjoy those conversations and those uh, connections. Amazing. I will include all the links um, in the show notes for everyone. And I can't wait for product women to, to recommence and, and get back stuck, back stuck back into the community. And before I let you go, what would be one piece of advice you have for product folk? Yeah, I've been thinking about this long and hard. I think, you know, be curious, challenge yourself to maintain that open-mindedness and that fun and that curiosity. I actually just recently finished a Lego series play uh, facilitator program. So I can now, you know, facilitate using Lego series play. And the thing I loved about it most was that it really reactivated that child component of being fun, being curious, being open to things, to new ways of doing things. And I think as a product manager, we all need to keep finding, going back to that, you know, seven-year-old self where the world is just open in front of us. Uh, there's so much opportunity, so much exploration ahead of us. And I think if we apply that both in our personal lives and our professional product management lives, um, the world will be a better place. So let's cultivate curiosity as our superpower. Yes, Amanda, you have been great. Thank you so much for coming on the Product Edge. Thanks so much, Jade. I've really loved the conversation. Thank you for listening to the Product Edge brought to you by Middleton Executive. You can head to theproductedge.com.au to subscribe to Australia's number one podcast for all things product management. I would love for you to subscribe, rate and leave us a review. Until next time, I look forward to introducing you to more product leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, and hustlers who will share their insights and experiences to help you level up and reach your full potential.